everyone. It's time for Necromaniacs Podcast. I hope everyone's doing well. It's uh, me and Jeff Kashid. How you doing, Jeff? Good, man. How are you? Hanging in there. Uh, as we record this, uh, we have a beautiful day. It's a holiday. It's a Monday. It Memorial Day weekend. And um, I had a nice little weekend for myself. Oh, nice. What'd you do? Uh, mostly hung out alone. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, any any day not spent at the office, quote unquote, air quotes these days, is uh, is a good day, I suppose. Uh, I would agree with that. Yeah, um, I had a sort of eventful weekend. Uh, I, I just scrapped my car that I bought in two thousand seven, um, so that was fun. Uh, strangely, like a little emotional. You get it's weird the things you get attached to, like some something that you just sit in and drive around and. You know, I got a little sad getting rid of the car, you know? I could relate to that, man, because I, I um, last year, I got rid of my van, uh, and, and I'm driving like a regular Ford, you know, Ford Fusion-style sedan. Right. And uh, I, I haven't needed to own a van for several years, but uh, but it's it was very emotional getting rid of that because, you know, I've toured the country. That's been back and forth across the country, I don't know how many times, and... Um, and I've also been a guy who drove a van as his car right. for like most of my life. So that's kind of uh, it was definitely bittersweet, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, I like driving a van, too. Like, yeah, I like being up above and being able to see. Yeah, yeah. It's, you feel, uh, yeah, it's like a it's it's almost like a truck, but it's not quite, you know? Right. Um, yeah. Other than that, you know, uh, the last time we did a podcast, we were in person and uh, that's the last time we talked. And pretty much since then, I was telling you off off air, I uh, injured my back and I've pretty much been in bed <laughs> since I last oh, seen no, you. Man. That, yeah, that's that sucks. man. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, it, it's a bummer. But, you know, it's it's not anything permanent or anything, you know, like I have to deal with forever. It's just, you know, one of those those freak things, you know. So have you been checking anything out uh, recently that's uh, well, of note? Yeah, I've uh, I've been in, in bed, so I've pretty much watched everything. <laughs> every <laughs> um, single movie there is. Ev every single movie and TV show there is. Um, you know, I I've seen on this podcast before that Netflix made some pretty, had made a bunch of action movies, or, uh, and they were all terrible. And I feel like HBO Max is now doing the same thing. Like I've watched all those movies that were going like uh, direct to theater and streaming at the same time, and they were all pretty bad. Okay. Um, I watched. Uh, let's see. It was uh, Kong, King Kong versus Godzilla, uh, Mortal Kombat, and this awful movie where Angelina Jolie plays a firefighter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can't even. I think it was called Those Who Wish Me Dead or something like that. Oh wow! It was just shockingly bad. I can't. Um, I can't even imagine Angelina Jolie as a firefighter. You know, I said the same thing, but I, I also can't imagine her her as a, as anything else. I just don't buy her in anything. Uh, I'm, I'm not a fan. I don't. I don't think she's uh, that great of an actress. I mean, I guess she's like uh, you know a better movie star where you put her in a role where she's just like you know kicking people and sh shooting people, fine, whatever. But I don't think much of her as an actress. I don't have many thoughts about uh, Angelina, honestly. All right. You know, aside from her, um, you know, her good looks and all that sort of stuff, really. Right. Um, but on a more positive note, I think we're going to talk about this movie eventually. Uh, I watched uh, In the Earth. Yes. I also watched that movie, and that's definitely on our list of films to discuss for sure. Yeah. So we'll, we'll uh, hold off talking about that till then. But it's an interesting movie, to, to say the least. And Ben Wheatley is uh, a tough filmmaker to, to pin down. One thing I will say about that film is that there is definitely a trend in horror that we've talked about, and it uh, connects with a lot of other movies that we discussed in the past, where there's starting, um, probably starting way back in uh, like you know 2014 or whenever with Black Mountainside. There's like mm. this 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 sort of vibe of horror that takes place in the woods with uh you know connecting to the a cosmic other and you know the earth and all this stuff and this like you know paganism and all that and i i quite enjoy all that stuff which i think i think that stuff's really interesting yeah 
I, I definitely agree with you. And the fact that it was made during uh, the pandemic and kind of echoes what we're what we're going through right now, as does the movie we're going to discuss today. Yeah. It's got a little bit of that in it, too. Yep. What, yeah. what about you, man? Did you watch anything good? Yeah, actually, um, you know, being a holiday weekend and all, I had a lot of free time to, you know, indulge and watch some stuff. And um, two things on Shudder, uh, Skull, the mask. Oh, yeah, I've seen the ads for that. It's fucking awesome, man. I, I love yeah? it. Yeah, it, it's just, uh, you know, it has like a grindhouse vibe to it. It's, um, I, believe, I believe it's a Brazilian U.S. production. Um, so it, it's in Portuguese. Oh, okay. And uh, it's all, you know, it's just got sick effects. Um, you know, it's it's it's, a, it's a action movie, a horror film. Um, you know, there's some, a lot of supernatural elements to it. I, I really liked it. I mean, I can see people not liking it just as much, as easily as I liked it, and maybe for mm. some of the reasons I liked it, people might not like it. But I thought it was awesome. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's that's definitely on my radar. I got to check that out. Yeah, and um, there's a film called Howl. It's a it's a werewolf uh, movie that uh, my good buddy Brandon Legion actually recommended to me, and hmm. uh, it's it's a really interesting take on uh, werewolf movies. Is that an older movie? Yeah, it came out a few years ago, and uh, oh. yeah, so it's it's not new. Let's put it this way. And uh, so shout out to Brandon Legion. Uh, I also was a guest on his podcast, Horror Wolf Six Six Six. So by, mm. the, by the time this episode comes out, that episode will be available. So, so oh, yeah. I will definitely check that out. Yeah. And then um, just just now, before we spoke, I watched Demons One and Two. Mm, yeah, the eighties movies, right? Yeah, the Lamberto Bava um, films, and uh, I've always been a big fan of those movies. Yeah, they have a special place in my heart from watching them at like sleepovers as a kid, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the thing is, it's like Italian Italian horror, it's like it's it's its own genre. Like and even, you know, you, there's a lot of stuff that you know, sure, you can go in there and criticize a lot of the things like the dubbing and all that kind of stuff, but uh, you know, I hate to be like, well, you know, we have to understand, but you kind of do. You have to understand the process of those films and like uh, the kind of alternate reality that they they exist in, and I don't know. I, I I really Mike and I both actually more more Mike. Mike is an aficionado of Italian horror, but I, I really right. really love those movies. Yeah, I think that the weirdness and the dubbing. I mean, it's part of their charm. You know, exactly. you're either on board with it or, or or you're not. You know, and I'm definitely on board with it. Yeah, I mean, it's like watching Enter the Dragon or something like that. You know what I mean? And right, yeah, yeah it's that kind of vibe, I guess, in a lot of a lot of ways. I watched the movie you and Mike just covered. I rewatched Dead and Buried for the first time in like a decade or so. Thoughts on that film? Uh, I love that movie. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, it was kind of obscure for a while. It seems to be getting its just due now, though. Um, kind of a, a a lost gem. Like I love the atmosphere of a of this like quiet Rhode Island town. Uh, it's it's really just a slow atmospheric film. Um, I mean, you can probably see the twist coming a mile away, but, you know, who cares? I mean, getting there is, is the fun part. Yeah, anyone who hasn't listened to that episode, yeah, check it out. Like Mike and I talk about it. And, and I think for both cases, it might have been our first time ever seeing that movie, believe it or not. Oh, wow. Yeah, which is really awesome. strange because I remember vividly seeing the VHS box cover and always being intrigued by it. And then throughout my life, I always thought that was like a really cool, you know, title, the box cover it sounded interesting. And then finally we watched it or I watched it and Mike watched it separately. You know? Yeah. I think I read about it in, in room Morgue, like you know, when I was living in New York, like they had just uh, issued it on DVD or something for the first time. And that's how I first, uh, first saw it. I didn't see it like back when it came out. Yeah. Room Morgue apparently, uh, they just, you know, I think two issues ago, Rumor covered it again because it's got it's gotten re-released, and um, and I, that that piqued my interest even more. And mm. yeah, it was great, very much like in that EC Comics kind of vibe. Um, yeah, yeah, like it's it's just a really interesting slow burn movie. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, love it. And one more thing, uh, I watched The Raven with John Cusack as Edgar Allan Poe. I didn't even know that existed, really. 
Yeah, you know, it's weird. I know I've seen it, but I had no recollection of it at all. And, you know, watching a lot of HBO Max while I'm laying around injured. And that popped up. And I was like, you know, I don't remember that. I, I should give this, a, give this a watch. Um, not good. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, you know, because I think I saw it back around the same time that play Nevermore was going on out here in L.A. with uh, Jeffrey Combs playing Edgar Allan Poe which was incredible. I saw it twice and uh, I was really on an Edgar Allan Poe kick for a while. So I know I must've seen this back when it came out, but again, it, it left no impression on me and watching it again, I can see why it's a very sort of dull, generic, um, you know, murder mystery with, with Edgar Allan Poe and Cusack. I mean, he's got like a goatee, <laughs> which Poe didn't have. That's funny. Uh, it's just, yeah, some odd choices. And at some point he seems to almost slip into like a British accent. Um, yeah, I, I just really, really not good. I don't recommend it. Huh? Weird. I, I, or maybe I do. I don't know. Maybe you'd yeah. be into it. I don't know. No, no, I mean, I can't see Cusack playing a role like that, but you know, he's another one of those guys like Angelina Jolie, just anything. He's like, I just don't buy it. Like he's fine. But like, you know, he played Brian Wilson in a movie and, uh, from the beach boys. And I just thought that was a very odd choice. I liked him as uh, Lloyd in um, uh, Say Anything <laughs> back in the 80s. You know, I don't think I've ever seen that. You know, it, it it's, if you're, I mean, if you're, first of all, out there, if you're listening and you were born in like 1990, don't, don't, you won't, you won't, you won't get it. You know what I mean? If, if you're an old guy like me and Jeff, and the, <laughs> the 80s are part of your memory, mm. um, definitely check it out. It's, it's good. It's like, uh, you know, if you if you were a kid in the '80s, like that's something you. you know, it's the music, you know, like the yeah. whole. He's got a Clash T-shirt, you know. It's got Ioni Sky in it, and you know she was a thing back then. She was, and um, um, you know, uh, Benny. I think Benny the Jet Urquidez is in it. There's like a kickboxing scene. And it's like <laughs> he's like kickboxing, the sport of the future, you know. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I love those movies he made with with a uh, savage Steve Holland, uh, Better Off Dead, and. Um, one crazy summer. Yeah, those are great, man. I, I, I'm I'm like a big fan of a lot of those '80s, like you know, teen movies or whatever. Because that's you know, I was I was a kid, and, you know, I was a teen, so it was part of yeah. me growing up. You know, crazy enough, the crazy Uncle Frank character in One Crazy Summer is a very like well-regarded uh, writer. He wrote uh, the Cronenberg film Maps to the Stars. Oh shit, that was a good one actually. I like that one. Cusack was in that too, wasn't he? Yeah, he was actually. Yeah, yeah. Creep, um, very creepy role for him in that movie. Yeah, it's just kind of a creepy movie overall. I mm. guess I guess it's supposed to be a comedy, but uh, I didn't read it uh, that way at all. <laughs> no, ne neither did I. Um, an interesting movie for Cronenberg, though. I, I should rewatch that. There's two two TV things I've been into, and uh, I've been watching them. One of them is uh, Millennium. The uh, oh. you, have you ever seen any of those? You know. I might have watched it back in the day at like my girlfriend's dorm room or something in Boston uh, after the X Files, but um, nothing. It doesn't. Nothing comes to uh, comes to mind. Like I can't remember a specific episode. I just rem remember it was. Was it in the X Files universe or is it a separate thing? Uh, well, it turned. There, there's a crossover in, mm. in into the X Files universe, and Chris Carter wrote it, so he wrote X Files right. as well. And it only it only lasted for three seasons. Um, Lance Henriksen's in it, and it's a uh, you know it's it's covers some of the same ground as X Files, which I'm also actually rewatching from the beginning right now. Oh, nice! And um, you know, I'm just in this Chris Carter universe, you know, deep dive. But uh, the thing that I I actually I have you can't find Millennium streaming anywhere. And a, a while back, I bought a, a DVD block, box set of the entire you know uh, series nice so i'm going through that right now and um you know it's super dark and bleak and mm. you know how like in the x files you know first of all you got the uh you know the, the lovely jillian anderson in that to you know uh, like give you something that's not heavy you know what i mean and dark right and the interplay between uh you know scully and Mulder is like um you know, it's it's humorous at times. Like there's like a human humanizing element to it. 
Um, there's a little bit of, you know, a little, little humor in X-Files, some lightness. None of that is present in Millennium. Millennium is just like a pathway into darkness, man, and just heavy, unrelentingly heavy with no humor at all. And that's why I like mm. it, actually. But that might have led to the demise of the show because um, I think people, your average TV viewer in the 90s, that might have been just like a little too much for them. You know what I mean? Yeah, maybe it was just way ahead of its uh, ahead of its time. Maybe something like that, like could exist now and be successful. But then, you know, especially on a network and everything. Right. Exactly. You know, and there's a uh, a documentary actually that if you're if you have Prime, it's part of your, part of the part of the Prime subscription. There's a whole oh. documentary about the the making of the film, and there's I guess interviews at Lance Lance Henriksen in it. And uh, I'm going to check that out at some point, too. What are you watching X-Files on? It's on Hulu. Oh, great. You know, I used to have the box set. I have no idea what happened to it. I've moved so many times since then that I think it's just one of those things that that, that uh, is either lost or it's in, this, in, in here somewhere, and I don't know where it is. I'm probably going to get the box set of that at some point. I'm surprised I don't have it already because that was definitely, like, one of my favorite things back in the, you know, back in the day. And it's funny, yeah. like throughout the '90s, I, I never actually had t uh, TV or cable in that entire decade. I don't know if, if uh, I ever told you that. No. Yeah, I, I never lived in a, in a place that had an actual cable connection. I always just you, watched things on DVD or or VHS back then. You guys weren't stealing cable from the neighbors or anything. No, surprisingly, we stole the electricity from the neighbors. I don't know if you remember that story <laughs> where, where uh, someone didn't pay the bill and then we just ran a, a, an extension cord down to the down to the first floor apartment. <laughs> that's oh, that's real, real talk, man. That really happened. That's 100 oh, percent real. That's the kind that of way, the way we were living back then, man. There's like 10 people living in that place. I don't, too. I, I don't even remember how many people were living there. It's like. There was always some guy on the couch, you know, with a pit bull or whatever, and like, oh yeah, this is uh, so and so. He's he's gonna stay with us for a few weeks, and like, yeah, there was always people like in and out of that place, you know. Yeah, so, madness, dude. Uh, we used to have X Files night at uh, the Hydrahead House. I remember people would come over and on Sundays and watch the X Files. Hey, so you guys live like human beings, man. You know, we try to. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, real quick, did you watch the X-Files revival? Yeah, yeah, I liked it. I thought it was good. Did you? Yeah. Oh, wow. I, I hated it. I couldn't, I didn't, I didn't end up watching the second part. I'm just a fanboy, man. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm down with I all that it. stuff. There are yeah. some people who are just into it, you know? Like, I'll watch every Star Trek thing, you know, all that kind of stuff, you know? Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. I gotcha. Well, uh, I guess that brings us to uh, another movie I watched laying around because uh, I had nothing else to do. That, uh, we're that, gonna is that Army of the Dead by any chance? <laughs> it it you know it's funny you say that it is Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead. <laughs> yeah, a lot of Zack Snyder this year. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it's uh, you know, I, I it's funny. Like I I don't know how I feel about Zack Snyder, honestly. That's you know? funny because I feel the same way. I wanted to ask you, I was like, how do you feel about Zack Snyder as a director? Because I mean, he's hit and miss for me more miss than hit i mean he kind of came out of the gate with uh the dawn of the dead remake which um pretty good i mean not great but it's serviceable it's entertaining i think as a director and um because on this film he did a lot of the cinematography i think as a director and cinematographer i think he's, mm. he's good i think I, I like him actually i think he's pretty great really um, but, um as a writer no not really solid as a writer, I think. Yeah, this movie does have some some issues. I don't think he's wrote many of his films that I can think of, but this one he gets a writer credit. Yeah, and, he co-wrote uh, this with some other people. Yeah, and uh, it's got some problems there. And then and and, and even with him as director of photography, there's some weirdness going on. But uh, we'll we'll get into that. But um, actually, Dawn of the Dead, his remake. Did he have a writer credit on that? I need to check that real quick. I don't remember. But, um, you know, he took on an impossible task and made the, the Watchmen film. Uh, what did you think of that? 
Uh, well, I mean, having I'm an Alan Moore fan, and and I love the comics, and I was like all about those. And um, I don't, though I don't despise the movie, I don't like it as much as I actually like the series that came out later, that came out like a couple of years ago. I still haven't seen that. It's um, it's not an adaption. It's like a, a right. further. It ha- it's like you know, uh, takes place years after the the events of the um you know of the of the series the comic books series right um it's you know it's 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 a tv show it's not a movie you know like it just as a movie just just doesn't work and um you know it's a great like that it's a typical Zack snyder thing where it looks great but it's just sort of empty on the inside and (laughs) it's like his his whole dc universe is sort of the same way but he kind of brought it um, brought it home this year with uh, with Justice League, which I surprisingly really liked. I think it's one of the the best comic book movies ever made. Yeah, definitely, and uh, it's uh, it's definitely standing in contrast to the Marvel stuff because the Marvel, you know, the Marvel stuff's fun. You know, there's a lot of like, yeah, they they have some com- comedy in there and you know things like that, lighter moments. But Justice League was like heavy and brooding yeah. for most of it. You know. Yeah, for its four-hour runtime, yeah, and his his whole take on Batman and Batman v Superman is, you know, very nihilistic. Batman is just sort of fucking lost it, he's killing people, <laughs> he's drinking, he wants to murder Superman. It's a very dark take on on uh, on, on, on an already dark character, and it was definitely uh, I think split people. You were either on board with that or you were not. It turns out that James Gunn was the writer on the Dawn of the Dead remake. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah, that makes sense. But yeah, I um, yeah, definitely Justice League. I thought was cool. Uh, that's why I was a little bit shocked that he had another big extravaganza coming out, roughly basically in the same year. You know. Yeah, so we basically got seven hours of, of Zack Snyder this year. Yeah, this one definitely has an epic runtime. It's over two two hours long. Yeah, I, I, unnecessarily, I think. Um, so yeah, let, let's get into it. Did you did you like this movie? I enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun watching it, uh, but there are some issues. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, yeah, we can get into a lot of that. But uh, the first thing I like to say is like comment on the two hour plus running time. You know, since this is on Netflix, why not make a fucking series out of it? Hmm. You know what I mean? Like, there's if you're gonna go that deep into all the characters and like there's a lot of characters in this movie unnecessarily so i think yeah unnecessarily so unless you were going to expand it into like an eight episode series then you can actually get you know go deeper into the subplots with different characters and that kind of stuff but for like uh if you're going to try to cut this into a feature-length film there's definitely way too many characters yeah, and like I would say, go the opposite. Instead of like a TV show, this could be like a tight, like hour forty minute movie, maybe even two hours, maybe. But there's just like a, a lot of unnecessary fat and and, and side characters and moments that don't really go anywhere. I think the premise is really too thin to support like a long show. You'd really have to expand it, and uh, I, I just don't think there's there's too much there. I mean, it's a really simple idea of like go in, steal money. There's zombies everywhere. That's that's it, <laughs> you, you know. Right, but and, what I mean, what I mean, like this storyline of the heist, you know, being mm. only one element of a, um, you know, of like a longer story. You know what I mean? Like, right. Like the, right. the title of this movie is Army of the Dead. You know, so I don't know. Like, I'm just trying to reconcile the number of characters with what actually happened. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. There's like the uh, the subplot about. Uh, uh, a camp and uh, the main character's daughter. Uh, she's a volunteer at the camp. Uh, a lot of that really doesn't really pay off in in, in any way. Um, also, want to point out, like you said, how you had fun watching it. I did too. But like again, there's a very sort of dour feel to like the ending of the movie that that I feel didn't fit at all. And I thought you know this movie was just kind of all over the place. Yeah, definitely. Because uh, a lot of the film had had you know there was a lot of a lot of comedy in it. You know what I mean? A lot of um, yeah. you know light lighter moments, and then the ending, <laughs> it just fucking it was a downer, really. You know? It was 
it had two downer endings like it ended and then there's like an epilogue and that was yep. like you're like oh okay i, I think they're they're more they're interested in setting up some sort of universe for this well, I did some reading on it. Apparently, it's like greenlit for like a sequel, two prequels, and like an animated series, and like all this other like licensing things that are going on right now. Hmm. Yeah. I, okay. Great. Yeah. <laughs> um, maybe it'll be good, but I, I just I don't know if this movie was interesting enough to 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 warrant all that. I just want to talk about one one thing about like the ensemble, like the. You know, the, the ensemble cast movies, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like one of my favorites is The Wild Bunch, you know, the Sam yeah. Pop film that had a lot of sure. characters in it. That also was over two hours long, too, like the like at least one of the cuts that I saw. And um, but somehow that movie's edited where it doesn't feel like there's a lot of fat in the movie where Army of the Dead has got uh, over two hours running time, a lot of characters Yet there, there are some definitely points where it slows down and you're just like, okay, let's move on. You know what I mean? Right, exactly. And you don't even really get to know the characters very well. They're all kind of these like stock types that you get in, in, in these kind of movies and they don't really have much to do beyond that. Like, you know, you have the hero, the the, the sidekick, the, the kooky safe cracker, and then you got the, the wacky comic relief that is the uh, pilot um, played by Tignataro. Um, that's an interesting thing about this movie that I'm sure has been talked about a bunch. And is that she uh, completely replaced uh, Crystalia in the movie, which I'm sure you heard about. Yeah, he got um, accused of like sexual uh, misconduct or something like that. So they just cut him out of the movie. They cut him out of the movie. And I, maybe it's because I know that, but did it seem obvious to you that like her scenes were completely reshot? Um. Well, all right, let's put it this way. I didn't know that until after I saw the movie. And um, so to me, watching it the first time, nothing really stuck out as weird. Hmm. Well, it, it stood out to me, and all, but overall, this movie looks very strange. Uh, like, everything feels very close up and blurry. Like, there's, like, like the, the face will be in focus, but, like, everything else seems out of focus it's like it's almost like you, they didn't want you to see the background i don't know if that was a budget thing like uh, i'm not sure but a weird looking movie for sure well snyder went into that a little bit about how that was actually a creative decision to have this kind of like uh you know like dreamy whatever quality to it which mm. maybe didn't work that's <laughs> what i'm trying to say you know what i mean right i don't know i mean it wasn't it it was a little distracting at first, but I got used to it. But I really noticed it in in, in the scene in the, in the scenes with Tignataro, or like it, it looked. She looked inserted in, in in some of the scenes to me. She she was. Yeah, I mean, she completely acted with uh, just no other actors, just her director and small crew and a green screen. What uh what uh, who what's what's the deal with Chris D'Elia? He's a comedian, right? Yeah. What, um, what did he do? Well, I mean, uh, allegedly, like, what did he do? Um, I think it had something to do with grooming underage girls or something like that. Grooming, um, like, like grooming them, like cutting their hair or something like, like what do you mean? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, th this is just what I read that he was, uh, you know, grooming him for sex or something like that. I, I don't know. I guess he was just hitting up, uh, young girls on Instagram and shit like that. And just overall being a creep like exposing himself to people and shit like that like um well you do that all the time man no one does no one <laughs> <laughs> yeah um you know i mean what are, like, that guy's career was like on fire too he just released a special on netflix you know he's in this new Zack snyder movie he's doing all the big podcasts and then you know your, your past catches up with you i guess yeah i don't really know much about him um i i, I don't really follow comedy really you know what i mean and uh you know, and I kind of really selectively listen to the Joe Rogan experience these days. I kind of only, mm. I, I avoid ones that have comedians because I think they, they just say the same shit over and over again, you know? Yeah, cancel culture, this, that, yeah, yeah it's ba, all ba, pretty, this, you yeah. know, the pandemic, you know, like, you know, I'm crazy, look at me, you know, like a dark life, whatever. So I don't, I don't listen, I don't listen to that shit anymore. I, I'll only listen if he's got something about like MMA or like Neil deGrasse Tyson or something cool like that on there. 
Sure. I, I follow comedy. I'm a big fan. Um, I, I'm not really that familiar with, with Crystal. Yeah, I saw, I did see his special. It was not for me. Um, but anyway, you know, don't be a fucking creep and your life won't be, won't be ruined and you won't be replaced in a movie by another comedian. Tig Notaro is another comedian? Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, not too familiar with, with, with uh, her stuff, but you know, given w- with what she had to work with, I, I, I thought she was good in the movie. I thought she was funny and she did, you know, she, she's the comic relief and she did a really good job. Yeah. I didn't, uh, I didn't have any, I thought she was a good character. You know, one of the, I thought it was cool that it was like a, a woman, you know, was a helicopter pilot and, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know I, yeah, that's cool. I, um, what, what are your thoughts on Dave Batista? Uh, you know, as far as the re- all the wrestlers turned actors, I think he's got the most potential to be a, a serious actor. I agree with you completely, actually. I mean, you know, The Rock is, is good at, in, in action movies, but, you know, he's always The Rock. And then you got John Cena, who's, I guess, sort of the same way. He, he can do he can play funny a lot. Uh, but, you know, just think of Jay Batista in, in Blade Runner 2. You know, he's got that one scene, but he kills it. You know, he's really good in it. That that's what really impressed me. Actually, was his ability to portray emotion uh, in that scene in the, in the, the Blade Runner sequel. And I was like, right. And even in this movie, he's a star. Like he's like the leading guy in this movie. And I think he did a great job. There was like emotion. There was like you know actual acting chops that he had to have. I thought it was good. Yeah. No. No. I agree. He's not given a lot. I, I, like, there's not a lot of like personalities, characters. There's not really much you can say about any of them. Like his, you know, side, like Van, like, you know, like he's just kind of there, you know, and his uh, his former love interest is just sort of there. You know, it's not really like, a lot to say to him. And then, of course, you have the 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 bed, the, the guy that's going to betray them. And there's just there's just not a lot to any of the characters in this movie. Well, let me uh, let's give a rundown of the characters like in their cast sure. while we're talking about it. So, of course, we have Dave Batista, Scott Ward. He's the lead. Ella Purnell as Kate Ward, his daughter. Um, I, I don't. I, I she looks so familiar. I don't know where I've seen her. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, Omari Hardwick as Vander Rowe. Van, I can't remember whatever the hell you pronounce his name. Um, Anna De La Rivera as Maria Cruz. Theo Rossi as Burt Cummings. Theo Rossi, of course, was in uh, uh, that uh, that motor, that biker movie. The biker TV show. Um, oh, uh, Sons of Anarchy. Sons of Anarchy, yeah. yeah. Uh, Matthias Swaghofer as Ludwig Dieter, the safe cracker. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> he, I, 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 got a lot of, I got a kick out of that character, actually. Uh, yeah, he's a safe cracker when he doesn't bring any tools to the job. <laughs> Nora Emizidar as Lily. Uh, Hiroyuki Sanada as Billy Tanaka, Bly Tanaka. Tig Notaro, of course, as uh, Marianne Peters. Uh, they actually, uh, you know, we talked about her being shot in front of a green screen. Raul Castillo as Mikey Guzman. Hura Caseri as Gita. Garrett Dila Hunt as Martin. Samantha Wynn as Chambers. Richard Citrone as Zeus. Athena Piramble as the Queen. So that's uh, a lot of people. Yeah, big big cast. Now was Zeus the head zombie? Yeah, he was the. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's a lot to say about that whole concept. So yes. Yeah, there's a lot of just straight, <laughs> like, um, things that don't really like add up in this movie. Like, okay, first of all, like, let's take the plot of the movie. I mean, for a heist movie, it's not really interested in the mechanics of a heist. Yeah. Like. You know, you watch a movie like Ocean's Eleven or something like that, and the like the entire movie is them plotting this out, and everyone like you know gathering a team. Everyone has a specific job. Here, it's it's basically like walk in, take the money, get out. Like it's really not complicated at all. And like you know, like how did they even get in? They just sort of walk in. I know they hire a, a, this. The, the coyote character to get them in, but she doesn't really seem to have any special sort of skill set or really bring anything to the group. 
that that's exactly one of the comments I was going to make about it is that uh, part of part of all these heist films, you know, like going all the way back to like Steve McQueen movies and, you know, and, and Ocean's Eleven, like all that stuff is is the specialty that each person brings to the to the table, why they're important to the group, you know, and they kind of talk that about that a little bit with Dieter or he's the safe cracker, you know, but right. they don't really there's with, for especially for a movie that's over two hours long you would expect there to be some kind of exposition about what their game plan was to go in. All right, we're going to use like the entrance a at like stairwell 29. And you know, like there was none of that. Like I figured they'd, they'd have like their blueprints out and their architectural backgrounds and figuring out all this like technical stuff and you know, that kind of thing. And there, wasn't, right. there was none of that. That's the stuff you would expect in like a heist movie. Yeah, exactly. Like, and again, like I said about the safe cracker, he was this wacky, dude and and the guy gives a you know a good performance but his he doesn't seem to be an expert what he does it just seems like anyone can do like he sets off the booby traps and then sort of listens to like like the this year what the uh the the coat uh the the code is yeah and he doesn't bring any tools or anything like that he doesn't um you know he's like we're gonna need something to set off the booby traps like wouldn't you have thought of that before <laughs> Exactly. You know? you, you, like it just seems like well, what it, you no one has like a plan. It, well, it, it's very odd. Yes, and and also one of the things that might have had to, I mean, one of the arguments against that was like, well, they had an accelerated timetable to deal with. You know what I mean? Like, but then how can you fucking do it? You know what I mean? Like if right. you're like a professional, you know, once again, just like um, referencing the rich tapestry of these types of films you know like heat and stuff like that you know there's like these professional people who are like oh you know we're pros we only do these jobs if they make sense and all that and you know if you approach some guy who's like uh you know one of these people that specializes in this they're like well there's just not enough time so we're not going to do it we're going to walk away you know that kind of thing right you know yeah yeah and like even like the overall plan like tanaka is the guy who hires uh, Dave Batista and his gang to go in and get the money, but it turns out it's not really about the money. Yeah, there's another agenda afoot. Yeah, which why would you need a team to do that? Why not just have a guy? So he Tanaka has one of his guys go with them, and to execute his real plan, which is to what bring back one of these things and weaponize them, bring back a zombie and 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 sell it to the the military. Uh, what could go wrong? <laughs> you know. <laughs> Um, so why even have the charade of the heist? Like, why not have like, you know, this, this guy that works from obviously privatized military type, why not just go in with the team, take a zombie and get out? It seems like it would be a lot easier than this bullshit with a heist. Yeah. Or fly over the city with a helicopter and throw a net over one of them. And then, you know what I mean? Like there's like a million safe operations you can do to do exactly what this guy was looking to do. Yeah, exactly. Like it, it didn't make a, a whole lot of sense, and you learn like he's hired teams to do this before that were unable to to to, to pull it off. So yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and um, but but the one thing we have to draw a distinction here: there is like alphas, and then the, there's the other other zombies. You know what I mean? So right, th there's like a, and this is like this is where it gets shaky, real shaky. <laughs> now, one thing, okay. Smart zombies have been introduced to us before, okay? Maybe not in films. Uh, there was a um, comic book in the 90, late 80s, 90s called Dead World that mm. had, like, King Zombie, who was, like, a, an intelligent zombie that, smoked, that spoke, rode a motorcycle, like, shot guns, like, all this stuff, you know what I mean? Right. And, uh, and then there's the, uh, the, the Brian Keene, uh, The Rising, where the zombies in that book are actual demons from another dimension reanimating the bodies of, uh, you know, recently dead humans. Okay, but ne these are neither of those. It's um, it's unclear as to what the origin of these alpha zombies are who actually have, you know, they can ride zombie horses. He wears, <laughs> you know, he puts a fucking cape on, you know. Um, yeah, he's able to direct all the other uh, mindless zombie horde. And uh, and he also has the ability to make other alpha alpha zombies too. 
Right, yeah. If you're bitten by him, you're uh, uh, an alpha. You're slightly smarter and faster. Um, yeah. Kind of a cool idea. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, and the, the the film opens where there's there's like a military group transporting basically what we learned to be this alpha zombie guy in a truck. And they have get into an accident because some dude's getting his dick sucked while he's driving a car, which is I thought was really funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, this guy, and he escapes, right? So now, the truck was coming from Area 51, okay? Right. Is he an alien? That's a good point. You know, I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Um, possibly, I don't know. You know, did you find, like, the dialogue in that whole opening scene kind of goofy? I did, yes. Like, like the like the conversation they're having was just completely idiotic. Yeah, you know, and, like they're, and they're being vague for like no reason. Do you think we're carrying a you know? Like, just say it. Well, that that's kind of like what I was getting at. Is like, you know, do you think we're carrying an alien? You know. Yeah, they never really quite explain it, but uh, that's fine. I, you know, um, while we're talking about the beginning of the movie, uh, Zack Snyder has a real knack for telling an entire story during the opening credits. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And he did it wonderfully in Watchmen, which is the best part of that movie. And I got to say, the opening credits for, for this is, is probably the best part of this movie too. I agree, man. And it got that got me really stoked to to for the, you know, for the for the movie. I was like really excited about that. I was like, "Oh, this is this is going to be great," you know, because it kind of lays everything out and how everything escalated and you know, this like war that they had and how they isolated everything and, you know, kind of put you in present time. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah. And kind of like the movie, like the opening credits start off as kind of fun, silly and ends kind of dour, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I get the sense since plans in this movie are so like simplistic, they're, they're the idea to wall off the city with just like a few, um, but crates basically, like you don't think they could have climbed over that. I know, especially since these alpha zombies are so agile and strong and fast, you know? Yeah, like, it seems like, they, like, and, and a character does bring that up when she says, like, this is, like, their kingdom. This is not their prison. Right, yeah. But you would th think, like, their goal is to spread and expand. And um, uh, you would think they'd want to get out. And them being smart, like, they could easily, I think, get out. Yeah, I mean, that, that's that's the other thing. You know, because um, we're, you know, they don't really nail down if they're happy living in their kingdom of the dead, you know. Yeah, again, and with like such an epic runtime, they might get into that. And like for a movie that like that's so long doesn't seem to care about the mechanics of anything. Like it, it's a, it's very strange. Like no one's guarding this thing. No one, uh, you know, none of these zombies have tried to get out. It's weird, weird choices. Yeah, so. You know, the plot, a lot of holes. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> yeah, a lot of holes, a lot of uh, unnecessary care. Like the whole, um, you know, uh, the daughter thing felt very forced and unnecessary. And, and I found her character to be completely annoying and unbelievable. And she actually gets a bunch of people killed. Yep, absolutely, which is never <laughs> really addressed, you know, that if she just like fucking... Her, her her insistence, which I get, you know, she wanted to save some lives, but she almost cost, well, I mean, actually, you know, almost yeah. every, pretty much everyone dies. So, you know, <laughs> not to ruin yeah. it for everyone, but, you know. Right. Spoiler alert. Like, uh, yeah. not a happy ending. And, yeah. yeah, well, she goes in there. She's a volunteer at, uh, what is this, like a refugee camp? Like, what? Yeah, it's they're trying to make some kind of commentary, you know, on, like, right-wing America and, like, uh you know, immigration and that kind of stuff, which yeah, I appreciate that. But I, I don't really know exactly like it was people that lived in that area that they believe are infected. You know, so we see uh, Theo Rossi as like the toxic male, um, you know, guard who victimizes women and all this stuff. And, uh, you know, he's, they're taking people's temperatures and he's like, yeah, you know, you might be infected. You don't have to retake your temperature. And then, he, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so her friends go into the infected area with the help of the coyote and she leaves them there. Uh, very morally ambiguous character there. Um, yeah. and, uh, so she, she wants to tag along with her dad to save them. And, and, you know, you know, what's going to happen. She's going to go off on her own. 
and dad's going to have to come and save the day. And that's exactly what happens. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, definitely. You saw it coming a mile away. Yeah, exactly. Another thing you, you brought up the guy, the Theo Ross's character, the, uh, another, just that whole part of that movie just doesn't need to exist. And the way his character, like, I thought that like the coyote using him as bait and everyone and the team being on board with it was an odd, very odd. Like they're just like, yeah, all right. Yeah. This guy's dead. Whatever. Yeah, like, exactly. I, I, you know, I get that he's a bad dude. You're not supposed to like him, but like, you know, <laughs> they basically sacrifice him and it's played for like comedic effect almost. And you think maybe there's going to be some payoff with that, with that character, like some sort of cathartic death, you know, maybe like someone he abused kills, uh, kills him. And I guess, well, that's kind of what happens. Does. Yeah. But it's just such a blah moment. It's not like, it, it should have landed with a bit more weight. It's just sort of like, oh yeah, this guy who hasn't been in the movie for an hour. I feel like, like remember the existence, him? the existence of his character was was literally to get virtue signaling points. You know what I mean? It's like, um, you know, there's that thing that's going on these days in films where it's like, oh look at me, you know, I'm 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 like, you know, not I'm against uh, you know sexual misconduct and you know, male patriarchy or whatever. And like, mm. I feel like the, that character of Theo Rossi, his character only existed so that you can see toxic masculinity. And then at the end, revenge on the toxic, toxically masculine character. And it's like it, very heavy handed in a lot of ways. And executed like. very poorly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's like, it didn't really have, I mean, I don't know, just like the writing. It was bad writing, I thought. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, there's that other moment when the Japanese character, Tanaka, goes, easy-peasy Japanese <laughs> And yeah. the, 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 the safe cracker, who doesn't bring any tools, um, and says, oh, you can't say that anymore. Yeah. Uh, it, it was, it's, it's, it's like, is this, a, I don't know, it just landed so wrong. I don't know what the hell they were going for. It was such a dumb moment. But I thought it was funny, though, where Tanaka's like, no, it's okay. I'm I'm Japanese. Yeah, <laughs> you know, he's like, <laughs> yeah. which is also kind of like a commentary on that too. You know what I mean? I don't know. It's like lighten up a little bit. I'm Japanese. You know? Right. Yeah. I, I guess Zack Snyder can't do anything like subtly. He's got to. It's got to be like a a fist to your skull. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So I wasn't really a fan of the daughter character. And then you have the um, Martin. I believe his name is. He's Tanaka's guy. Who who's you see his double crossing coming a mile away. He's kind of like the same character as Burke from Aliens. Oh yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, there's kind of a few parallels to Aliens in this movie, if you've noticed. Yeah, they're looking to weaponize some other thing. There's like a, a plant. There's another agenda going on that's different than the mission. Yep, absolutely. I agree. I never thought of it until you brought it up. Uh, there's even like well, character sort of goes out the same way by like pulling the pins out of the grenades yep. uh, on, on the vest and blowing up uh, a zombie saving the other characters it's a moment taken right from uh, from aliens. But uh, there's also I guess uh, steal, like that, steal from the best. Yeah, there's also that really that tough like Latina character with the gun. Yes. You know, and in, in aliens, they had like a, you know, a tough Latina character, um, you know, gun toting badass like chick you know and that's what the movie's like really good at like the plot mechanics a lot of holes but like the action in this movie is a lot of fun and there's a few great set pieces like her she has a great moment where she's basically like and she knows she's gonna die but she's fighting for her you know she's gonna kill as many zombies as, as he can and it's one of the one of the better action scenes i've seen in a while yeah, the action scenes are fantastic. I thought. I mean, I, I, that that's the strong suit. I mean, that's no one's ever said uh, Snyder is is uh, bad at action. I mean, he's great. That's like from three hundred. You know, all that stuff is amazing. You know, just that. You know, some of this like stuff we're talking about. It's just like you know, the action is what you go. You show up to see that. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And there's a couple great set pieces, like you know the uh, the guy who um, double crosses them. Uh, gets into a fight with a zombie tiger um when they introduce a zombie tiger earlier in the film like i was like i hope this goes somewhere like it's not just you know this yeah. cool moment and and that was one of the things that does pay off 
you get the scene straight out of like it was almost like the like you could see Zack Snyder much must have loved that bear attack in the Revenant because this is kind of similar. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That that was a good moment, and uh, yeah. Yeah, there's just a lot of good scenes like that. Like, for example, like the zombie king on his horse with a cape. You know, it's like yeah, it's like some. It's like you're looking at a Frank Frazetta painting. You know, and and I guess that's uh, one of the things about Zack Snyder's films that um, like when you when you uh, look at Frank Frazetta's artwork, it's larger than life. Some of it doesn't really make sense, you know what I mean? Like when there's like these Vikings like fighting in the snow with like no shirts on, you know, and stuff like that. It doesn't really make sense, you know what I mean? But it looks awesome, you know? Right. You got a yeah. zombie on a zombie horse with a cape and like a helmet. Why is he wearing a cape? <laughs> you know, like what's what's up with the cape? I don't know. That it's it. This movie is a Zack Snyder movie through and through, like every second of it, including that. Like, yeah, he's just wearing a cape or like why doesn't anyone shut doors in this movie <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah exactly right yeah. there's like a cu- couple scenes where i'm like you know a zombie's gonna come through that door and that's exactly what yeah. happens and it happens almost back to back another but... moment that was straight out of aliens um is uh this is another weird moment where it's like the betrayal like he you know he he's he go basically goes to save his daughter and he tells the pilot don't leave me here and there's a moment where you think she left them there, but mm-hmm. she didn't. Right? Wasn't there a similar scene with the the android in Aliens with Lance Hendrickson? Uh, you know, I'm what? not sure. I have to remember. I don't. I don't remember exactly if that happened in Aliens, but maybe. I believe it did, and in this movie, it doesn't make. It's just like, oh, she left us. Oh no, wait, no, she didn't. Like, why even have that moment? Like, it, it's over before you even have a second to feel the the sting. It was a little cheap, I thought, for sure, because there was really no reason for her not to be waiting on top of the building, you know? Right, yeah. You know, it wasn't and, like she was maneuvering, you know, doing some sort of, a, of evasive tactics or something, you know? Yeah, it, it was a, just a strange, unnecessary moment, you know? Little things like that you get rid of, and then the, you know, run, run time gets a little bit shorter. So just a lot of excess in this. Yeah, it's like, uh, it's funny... That, I guess the word that comes to mind when I think of Zack Snyder is self-indulgence. Yes. You know what I mean? He just... Absolutely. Every... He just wallows in, like, every act... You know, just any time he has an opportunity to, like, get deep and wallow in, in creativity or whatever, is he does... That's exactly what he does. And... Um, yeah. I, I was reading online, too, that even, um like... I was saying Zack Snyder also did a lot of the cinematography in the early product part of the production. And uh, Dave Bautista was saying that uh, they shot hours and hours and hours of footage of just like multiple angles of like expressions on faces. And um, Mm. which, I mean, I know they do that in movies, but, but according to Dave Bautista, who has acted in several films, it was excessive. And Snyder would just go off mid, mid, like, mid shoot and just start filming stuff in the landscape and stuff like that too. Mm, interesting. Yeah. So, you know, he's like one of these like, uh, you know, artists, I guess that, you know, has a hard time editing down like his work. Yeah, clearly. I mean, justice league was four hours long and that's one of the rare cases where I think like the, I, I enjoyed it, it being that long. And it, it, while it did seem a little self-indulgent, the result was something that I really liked. And here it's a little bit, you know, more mixed. Yeah. Uh, I'll say Zack Snyder gets a lot. This movie, I think it was budgeted around 90 million or 80 million, something like that, which strangely isn't a lot of money for something like this. I didn't know what the budget was, but yeah, that does, that's I, it looks like it, like definitely more with all the aerials and the helicopters and the CGI and having to like film uh Tignataro on a different coast or something like that, you know? Right. Yeah, yeah. But the, the movie doesn't look, I mean, it doesn't look cheap or anything like that. Uh, at, at least lo- I, I didn't mean, think so. Yeah, I mean, no, it does, it looks like a high budget production for sure, definitely. Yeah. Um so yeah, I mean I don't know what uh, too much more to say about this. Uh, overall, what were your, you know, final thoughts? Would you recommend it? What would you give it? How many flaming skulls? Well, you know, Despite all the stuff I said, it's still I still enjoyed it though. You know what I mean? It's like it's like listening to a Motley Crue album. 
You know, it's like listening to um, like Shout Out the Devil or like which is the one record I like by them where it's like, you know, you know, it's not that good, really. You know, it's like, yeah, this is like whatever, you know, like, but you but I still enjoy listening to Shout Out the Devil, you know, and that's kind of how I feel about this movie. It's like, yeah, you know, there's problems with it, whatever, but I'll, I'll watch it again. I will, you know. And yeah. I'm, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a four. Okay, um, I'm gonna give it a three. Okay. Uh, I enjoyed it, even though overall it was uh, kind of stupid <laughs> and filled with uh, plot holes. But you know the great action scenes. Um, I guess you know since we kind of spoil, what the you want to talk about the ending a little bit? Well, I have a whole other thing I want to talk about, which is how I would fix the movie. <laughs> so yeah. Oh well, let's yeah. hear it. Well. First of all, I wouldn't make them zombies, okay? Mm. I would have made them similar to, like, the vampires in I Am Legend, the uh, the Richard Matheson uh, story, you know? Mm. And I wouldn't, but I would also tweak the, the vampire um, lore so that they actually can be out in the daylight, you know? Like, and I would make them as, I would make them as vampires that were possibly another race that existed in the ancient past and the the main king vampire or whatever was a was someone that they found in like a block of ice and he was like left over from this other civilization they were going to weaponize him and he escapes and then he turns you know las vegas into this uh you know nest of uh vampire ghouls or whatever and um and i would also call the movie Necropolis. I wouldn't call it Army of the Dead. <laughs> yeah. Right on. And Necropolis is like a cooler sounding name and it's more appropriate in, in a way, I guess, to what the uh what it actually is. Interesting. Yeah. I uh I would cut out like half the characters. Yeah, definitely. The the, the daughter thing, the uh the camp like none of that needs to be there i would uh just a, little, a little bit more detail on the heist make that a little bit more fun rather than just uh some guys going in there and doing a thing you know like a little bit more details there maybe a safe cracker who you know maybe brings like more than a pencil maybe <laughs> he brings some, some tools for the job more, and more than just his charming smile <laughs> yeah yeah and and you know like in the end, it was all for nothing. No one gets any money. No one lives. Mm-hmm. Because the daughter goes off to try to save her friend, who she gets killed in the in, in the helicopter crash. That's right. Uh, if she didn't go on, if Dave Batista's character didn't have to go and save her, they all would have gotten out. The yep. daughter, Dave Batista, and the pilot. But here, no one gets shit. Uh, because uh, the zombie, because no one can close a fucking door in this movie, the king zombie gets under the roof, jumps into the helicopter and uh, you know, the nuke goes off. Uh, the helicopter gets out in time, but the blast causes the helicopter to crash. Everyone dies in the plane crash. Daughter has to kill her dad, the zombie. She cries the end. Like it's sort of a dark ending to a movie that I, I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe the father and daughter live. Maybe everyone who gets out on the helicopter lives. It was just needlessly dour. Well, another another big problem I had with it too, which I forgot to bring up, was like, all right, in the epilogue of the film, we see um, one of the guys yeah. on the team. He's bitten, right? How come it took him? He fucking went through a a a, blo- a, a nuclear explosion, right? He gets <laughs> yeah. out. He cr- walks across the fucking desert, finds a car, drives a car to an airport, gets on a plane, and on and it takes him that long to fucking die. Right. Yeah. And, and like, what? All right. Now what? Is it what killed him? Is it the bite? Like, does the bite I, kill? If that's the case, then he should have died out like a days ago. Right. Yeah. You know, and that's uh, that's yeah. like, and then of course he's on the plane. He goes in the oh, I don't feel well. Is you see the bite, and then it's like okay, that leaves op- the door open for a sequel. Right. Like again, the epilogue only served to set up like more movies. It didn't like I thought once I saw him coming out with the uh, with all the money, I thought oh good good yeah, someone one, gets one guy yeah. Yeah, but it turns out, no, <laughs> he's dead too. Uh, so just, yeah, needlessly one-two punch of like a this downer of an ending. And them using the Cranberry song Zombie was so just on the nose and goofy. 
Like it almost made me hate it. <laughs> well, that's uh, like I've never been a big fan of his musical selections, really, in his movies. Right. Yeah. You know, he um, always goes for these like real cheesy like songs, real bad music in general. Well, at least it wasn't a Hallelujah because I mean he uses that all the time. Well, there's also like in in uh, Dawn of the Dead. There's that uh, what's that band? Dr- is it Drowning Pool? Let the body. Uh, uh, oh, uh, no, oh. Uh, disturbed. Down with the sickness. Yeah, <laughs> it's like that's like. Yeah, it's so bad. It's the worst, man. <laughs> yeah, no, that band sucks. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that you mentioned, weren't, that, weren't like, you going to oh. play bass for them? I thought didn't they ask you to join the band or something like that? <laughs> no, no. Oh, okay. Um, uh, I'm not opposed to it though. <laughs> I, I have no dignity. <laughs> I'll do anything for money. Uh, no, <laughs> I have no connection to disturb. As far as I know, the other thing that we did we failed to mention was the one of the most glaring, like lapses in logic, was the fetus, the zombie fetus. Mm. What the fuck, man? How did that happen? There's a lot of stuff with the zombies that don't go anywhere. That's one of them. They, they, the fact that they're sort of dormant, and then a character goes, "You should see what happens to them when it rains." Yeah. That never comes up again. We never see it, right? Yeah. Now that guy, the zombie, like who who looks like, you know, like he's like this. He's got this, you know, he's all shredded, and he's like uh, got like this cool like jet black hair, and um, <laughs> he put his dead dick in that zombie queen who was hot actually. She's like a hot <laughs> zombie chick, yeah, right, and shot some sperm into her, which a dead dead sperm, and they made a dead baby. Yeah. What the fuck, man? That's why that's what actually made me think that you know what? All you had to do is make the zombies like vampires, right? You know, right, yeah. Some other type of race of beings instead of zombies. That yeah, they infect living beings and they become these other things, such as, you know, like vampires. I know technically technically vampires are undead, but they have like living characteristics. You know, you can play around right. with that mythology a little bit more. You know what I mean? Yeah, zombies, that makes absolutely no sense that they can... Decaying, dead flesh, you know, like, that's what I mean, man, you know? Yeah, it's it's beyond uh, dumb, and it goes nowhere. Um, Unless, you know, they're setting something up probably for the sequel, assuming Van is the new alpha, since he's bitten, I I guess, by the the alpha zombie. He's going to be the new one that creates, you know, a whole new race of, of, of zombies. Theoretically, I guess. Yeah, you know, and um, yeah, I guess that that's like another big issue I had with it was the baby and 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 also was that even necessary? No, no, totally not. You know, like totally to, not. Yeah, to introduce that concept and not have it go anywhere, nor offer any real logical reason for that to even happen. It's kind of like very silly. I thought. Yeah, and that's that. This movie in a nutshell, <laughs> you know, but. Uh, you know, still enjoyable. Yeah. Anyway, I like my necropolis idea better. Well, hey, man, maybe you can come out next time you're in L.A. You can go uh, go around town and pitch it. Like a pitch it, you know? Yeah. yeah. And part of what they do, though, maybe they only can come out at night, but part of their, their goal is, like, to bring everlasting darkness to the planet, you know, so they can yeah. be out 24 hours a day or something. I don't know. And you can have that song, The Freaks Come Out at Night, play over it. <laughs> you know that? Yeah. <laughs> <What> the- <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I dig it, man. I dig it. Well, and that's um, it. You know that that's that's our our take on this movie, man. I mean, I, I despite all that stuff, I still really enjoyed watching it. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. A lot, a lot, like you know, a lot of fun to be had with it, but no, just don't think about it too much. I guess. I mean, we went we went on in the beginning talking about Italian horror, and a lot of that stuff doesn't make sense. So. You know. Oh God, no! Yeah, I mean, at the end of the of day, at the end of the day, we're talking about horror movies, so you know. Right? Yeah, you know. <laughs> well, all right, man. All right, thanks everyone for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Take care.
what a time we danced Once upon a time we took a chance And fell 